the Rebel Alliance Briefing Room Podcast. We are here to podcast about anything and everything Star Wars with you. Please visit our website where you can play current and past episodes. That's https colon backslash backslash r-a-b-r kylejohansson.us That's r-a-b-r dot k-a-i-l-e-j-o-h-a-n-s-e-n dot U.S. On the left-hand side is a navigation menu. You can use this to learn how to load the Rebel Alliance Briefing Room podcast on your Android or Apple phone and tablet. And we have direct links to our podcast on Apple and Google Podcasts. Please participate by connecting to our social media, answering questions of the week, or submitting feedback directly from the site. Again, all of these are available at the Rebel Alliance Briefing Room website at R A B R. K-A-I-L-E-J-O-H-A-N-S-E-N dot U-S. And now, time to talk Star Wars. Yay, Star Wars. I'm Kyle John Johansson, and this is Andrew Scott Sutton. Say hello. Hello, it's just me. Uh, Scott's not going to make it, partially because he's busy, and partially because I'm just kind of running through these all at one time. So today we're going to be reviewing Star Wars Visions uh, Volume 1, Episode 5, called The Ninth Jedi. The Ninth Jedi. Why is there only nine? Uh, So we'll be detailing a recap of the episode and begging you for feedback. We want you to respond, to talk to us, to say hi, anything. And uh, that also reminds me that you could be spoiled. Spoiler alert. Danger. You are about to be spoiled. This is your spoiler alert. We are about to talk candidly and explicitly about some TV shows or movies. If you have not watched them, please fast forward to the appropriate section. You will not be warned again, because you will be spoiled. That's that's right. You'll be spoiled. So what that really means is if you haven't watched um, Star Wars Visions Volume 1, Episode 5, please go back and do so. Um, it'd probably be a good idea to watch all the other ones, too. They don't really connect, but uh, might as well keep up. And again, um, most of these uh, names in the cast and crew are have Japanese name of some sort. And I'm not very good at pronouncing those, so I apologize in advance. Director is Kimichi Kamiyam. Writer is Kinji Kamiya. Uh, music is scored by Nubuku Toda and Kamazama Jinishuchi. Weird. Um, and our cast starts out with La Kara is Kimuku Glenn. Uh, La Zama is Simu Lee. Uh, Mar- Margrave Euro. And Stewart Droid is Andrew Kishuno. 
Ethan is Masai Oka. Roden is Greg Chun. Nizu is Eva Kaminsky. Uh, Haman is Patrick Seitz. Jinji is Michael Sinterklaas. Uh, Hanabe is uh, Adam Seitz. Turguro is Kyle McCarley. Uh, the Boatman Droid is J.P. Karlek. Jedi Hunters are Kyle McCarley and Michael Sinterklaas. And the narrator is Neil Kaplan, except I'll be the narrator uh, of the story during this episode. So let's go and visit... Hey, you, over there. Are you is your armor always dirty? When do you find time to clean it? Did Rebel Scrum scratch and damage it? Does your helmet communications keep acting up? Stop by Aaron's Armor Sparkalorium before 1500 hours. We will wash clean and sanitize your armor for the next day pickup. Our patented galactically ancient secret cleaning techniques will have your armor sparkling just like a new Cerulean Y1300 freighter just off the assembly line. You will be the envy of all your friends and co-workers yeah. from the castles on Lothal to the politicians on Coruscant to the environmentalists on Endor. For your next day, sir, stop by Aaron's Armor Sparkalorium. Today. We are located in Tatooine's Moss Isley Spaceport, directly across from Hangar 35. We will also repair and sell and sell most parts at the best rates in the known galaxy. All services guaranteed and licensed by the Emperor himself to last That's a right. lifetime. Only at Aaron's Armor Sparkalorium. We accept Imperial credits only. Helmets and boots are services are extra. That's right. So, you know, Emperor guarantees it a lifetime. That doesn't mean uh, he's going to come by and, and kill you when it when your stuff breaks. That would be a lifetime, wouldn't it? Yeah. That's how evil the Emperor is. All right, so today we're reviewing Visions Volume 1, Episode 5, called The Ninth Jedi. This episode, along with all the Volume 1 uh, episodes, aired on September 22nd, 2021. Its running time was 21 minutes and 41 seconds, and takes place 35 after the Battle of Yavin. So again, this is sometime around Mandalorian time. Uh, so, what that means is it's time to grab your favorite beverage, pull up a chair, and join us in the Rebel Alliance briefing room. The narrator explains that many generations have passed since the light of the Jedi and have protected the galaxy since an era of war has arisen. Margrave Jeru, ruler of the Outer Rim planet, Hai Izan, has been mining for kyber crystals within his territories with the goal of restoring the Jedi by reforging their ancient lightsaber weapons, which have been lost to the galaxy. However, ancient dark forces conspire to subjugate the galaxy. They have hatched a plan to hunt down all the Jedi and bring a new era of Sith rule. In space, a starship approaches an asteroid space station. Inside, six figures gather around a bright portal. 
a human male named Ethan walks through the dark corridors into the hallway. He tells the host that he came after receiving an encoded transmission summoning him here. Ethan says he senses the force is strong here. He assumes that all the figures are all masterless Jedi as well. The figures approach Ethan. A brown-haired human named Rodin tells Ethan that each of them came here in response to the same call. What? Ethan asks if the summon is authentic before playing his hologram, in which Drew tells him of his plan to restore the Jedi Order. He invites the candidates to the Aerial Temple, where he will present them with a lightsaber. He urges them to join in the fight to unite the war-torn galaxy to restore peace. The elusive, or I'm sorry, the blue tentacled alien named Hanabi disputes Morgajero's claims that he recreated lightsabers, but confirms that there is a deposit of Kyber crystals in the planet Hyon Aizen below. A masked orange figure named Hinjin says that they have also heard rumors of kyber crystals at at this planet, but question whether Juru can be trusted or not. Hmm. Observing the hooded and masked Juru figure, Ethan agrees that Hinjin has a point and ponders whether Juru is a Jedi Master or is he if he is luring them into a trap. No, it's a trap. The brown-haired man asks if anyone here has met Juru before. A hooded female named Nizu asks them to ponder the risks of traveling there to obtain a lightsaber and a Jedi. She removes her hood, revealing herself as a purple-skinned humanoid with blonder hair. A canine male named Homan wonders whether they are strong enough in the force to protect themselves. A masked figure with a red cloak named Tuguru says that he senses the strong presence of the dark side here. Dun, dun, dun. Just then they hear laughter and hulking a, a hulking steward droid enters the chamber to meet the seven Jedi can, candidates. He says that it is true that Margrave often frightens others because of his appearance. He assures them that Juro is an eccentric old man who doesn't stay cooped up in castles. While Juru hasn't shown himself yet, the droid says that Juru is willing to meet them and will arrive soon. The seven candidates gather around the droid. On the planet below, several pulley systems harvest kyber crystals from orbit. A girl named La Cara and her floating droid 9999 Four nines ride a speeder bike. Inside a workshop, her father, the blacksmith, La Zima, is at work assembling a lightsaber. Kira tells Zuma, Zima that they found a big one today and asks if he managed to co complete the seven lightsabers. Zima says that he has. He allowed Kira to try out a lightsaber, and Zama tells his daughter that he has 
tempered each of the lightsaber's crystals to respond to the user's connection to the Force, but explains that the color and length will vary according to the Jedi using it. So it's based on the Jedi to determine the color, not necessarily the lightsaber. At least these are. Kara remarks that her connection to the Force isn't strong enough since her blade is only a dark hue. Seymour reassures her that she has some natural talent with a lightsaber and that her connection will grow with proper time. Uh, he explains that the Force is present in all living beings and that only individuals who develop their connection to it will have power to wield it. Seema tells his daughter not to worry yet. Tara agrees and asks what color of the lightsaber will turn once it is in the hands of the real Jedi. She practices with a with a lightsaber while Seema is pleased that he finished the lightsabers on time. Just then, Four Nines notices the silhouette of a passing starship. Tara asks if this is one of the Jedi ships, and Zuma says it can't be since the Jedi were summoned to the Aerial Temple. The starship lands on the landing platform and deploys several armored masked Jedi hunters. Zima gives Kara the lightsabers and a bundle of cloth and tells her to bring them to the Aerial Temple immediately. He tells her that he has to deal with these visitors. Zuma tells Kara that she has grown up, and Kara senses that this will be the last time they may see each other. Before she leaves, Zuma calls down the Force to be with her. I am one of the Force. The Force is one of me. Masked hunters force their way into the workshop and demand to know if the blacksmith is La Zama. After Zama confirms this, the bandits charge him with a illicitly manufactured several lightsabers for bastardless Jedi. Zama asks where where they got this information? Or bandits reply that they got it from the one who enlisted his services to make them. The leader ordered Zama to hand over the lightsabers, but he refuses. As Kara races away, one of the hunters fires his blaster at her, but Zuma deflects the blast with his hand into the furnace, which explodes. Kara witnesses the explosion and calls out to her father. Zima tells her to go before the hunter knocks him out. The leader sends his subordinates after her. Back at the aerial temple, Roden demands evidence of Margrave's plan from the sentinel droid. Hendai questions whether the Margrave actually constructed any lightsabers. <coughs> the droid shows them the case with a lightsaber and asks if this is what they desire. The Jedi candidates are in awe. Ethan asks to hold it, but says that by the time he was born, lightsabers had already disappeared from the galaxy. Ethan ignites the lightsaber, which has a blue blade. He is awed by the weapon. The Sentinel droid says that the remaining lightsabers should be arriving soon. Meanwhile, the second hunter pursues Kara through a snowy forest, firing his blaster at her. Kara and four nines avoid fallen branches. During the pursuit, Kara turns her speeder around and flies it backwards while deflecting 
The hunters blast with one of the lightsabers. The hunter senses that the force is strong with the girl, and Kara flies her speeder bike over a frozen lake and then dismounts. She stands her ground and damages the hunter's bike, causing him to fall off. She then climbs back onto her bike with four nines, and the hunter survives and hoists his pistol. Kara reaches the spaceport where she met the boatman droid who is drinking hot oil from a cup of tea. She pleads with him to take her to the aerial temple immediately. The droid says that he is on a break and tells her to find another pilot. A droid on a break? Come on. Kara points out that he is the only one functioning and gives him a coin. The boatman droid reluctantly agrees to ferry Kara and the four nines to the aerial temple. Meanwhile, at the asteroid space station, the impatient Jedi candidates confront the Sentinel droid. They are tired of waiting for their lightsabers. The female gray humanoid says she senses something is coming, and the boatman droid ferries Carrot to N49s to the or orbiting aerial temple. He drops her off at the hangar where she is greeted by the Jedi candidates. Ethan asks Kara who she is, and Kara introduces herself as the daughter of the Sabersmith, La Zama. Roden then deduces that she is the one with the lightsabers. Presenting the lightsabers to the Jedi candidates, Kara tells them that her father has been taken away by Jedi hunters and begs them to help her. Kara asks where Margrave is, prompting Ethan to ask if she knows Juru. And Kara explains that she has known Drew since she was a baby. The other candidates look her look at her darkly. Hanabei asks if she knows his whereabouts, and Roden says that something doesn't feel right and that they have to wait until Margrave arrives. Ethan, Kara, and four nines find themselves surrounded by six other candidates who ignite their lightsabers, which turn red. Kara and Ethan realize the others are Sith. Hmm. So it was a trap. A sentinel droid witnesses the situation, revealing that the, that he is a he is Margrave Juro and has been hiding inside the droid. Margrave says that he has been here the entire time. Roden marks Juro for disguising himself as a droid to spy on them. Hanabei declares that they are acolytes of the Sith and are sworn to the dark side and vow to stop Jeru's plan to restore the Jedi Order. Anabe lunges at Jeru with his lightsaber, but Jeru uses the force to snatch the lightsaber easily out of his hand. Then it turns green and he prompts, promptly slays Hanabe, cutting him in half, much to the shock of the, his fellow Sith. Rodin and the second Sith, Pari Juru. Hin Jin tells Kara that their hunters have taken her father to a distant star system where she will never see him again. Ethan and Kara drop their lightsabers. Kara, in a fit of panic, ends up striking Ethan's saber, knocking him down. She then fights against three of the Sith, but later joined by Ethan. 
Meanwhile, Juru fights Rodin and cuts down Tuguru, much to Rodin's frustration. Nizu calls Rodin and attempts to aid him. Juru effortlessly kills Hinjin and fatally wounds Nizu. Rodin then tells the dying Nizu, who expires in his arms, tends to the dying Nizu, who expires in his arms. Meanwhile, Kara parries with Homan, whose lightsaber has turned purple while hers becomes pure green. The rage Rodin attacks Juru with a force lightning, and Juru tries to deflect it with the force, but the stiff force lightning breaks through his defenses. Kara rushes to aid Juru while Ethan takes over her fighting with Haman. Kara duels with Rodin. Juru uses the force to push Rodin against a giant carbon crystal, which causes him to disintegrate and burn to death. Ooh, that sounds kind of gross. Juru stops Ethan and Hominin from fighting. He appeals Hominin, telling him that they all know that he is not a Sith. Hominin apologizes, saying that he became consumed by the other's darkness and deactivates his blade. Juru apologizes to Kara, saying that he recently learned that several Jedi who answered his call were killed and that the Sith were sent in their place. Juru explains that he hid himself from the presence in order to determine who was Sith. As a result, they also learnt about her father, Zama. Juru apologizes for not being able to, to help her father. Juru promises Kira that he will save her father. Ethan regrets that he was not strong enough to defeat the Sith. Juru reassures Ethan that he will survive the fight. When Ethan asks about the other Jedi, Juru say that he senses them wandering elsewhere in the galaxy. Juru tells Kira that she has been guided by the Force ever since the moment she was born. He invites her to join them in the, as the ninth Jedi in the group, working to restore peace to the galaxy so that they can reestablish the Jedi Order. The group departs on a starship headed into space, leaving the Aerial Temple behind. Presumably going to find her father. And the credits roll! They're rolling, rolling, rolling. Which prompts us to say that we need a lot of feedback, please. That's right. Feedback at that email address will be great. If you want to send us a video, please do. Um, it probably should be less than uh, 25 uh, megabytes in size to get through all the uh, email filters and I think there's a limit on what Google accepts to. So uh, send us an email. You can also go to the uh, that side. Nope, that side of the website and click on the link that says feedback. It'll pull up on a form. You can uh, put a name, any name. Doesn't matter if it's real or not. And your feedback, click send and it'll uh, come right to us. Uh, we also are on social media on Twitter at super underscore duper underscore pod. And you can also search on Blue Sky and find the Rebel Alliance Briefing Room. 
Um, I believe Spotify has a place to um, leave comments as long as, as also does YouTube, um, where we post the videos of these podcasts. Please give us comments, ideas, uh, you know, what you like, dislike about our podcast, uh, opinions that you have about um, the episode that, that was just reviewed, anything. Please send it to us as soon as you can so we can discuss it on a future episode. Thank you for listening to the Rebel Alliance Briefing Room Podcast. Please visit our website where you can play current and past episodes. That's https colon backslash backslash r-a-b-r kyledrickinson.us That's r-a-b-r dot K-A-I-L-E-J-O-H-A-N-S-E-N dot U-S. On the left-hand side is a navigation menu. You can use this to learn how to load the Rebel Alliance Briefing Room podcast on your Android or Apple phone and tablet. And we have direct links to our podcast on Apple and Google Podcasts. Please participate by connecting to our social media, answering questions of the week, or submitting feedback directly from the site. Again, all of these are available at the Rebel Alliance Preacher Room website at R-A-B-R-K-A-I-L-E-J-O-H-A-N-S-E-N-U-S. Yeah. This podcast in no way is approved, sponsored, or owned by Lucasfilms LTD, Disney, Disney Plus, or any of its subsidiaries. All opinions are solely owned by Kyle and or Scott and in no way express the views or opinions of their past or present employers. Views and opinions are not supported or restricted by Lucasfilms, LTD, Disney, Disney Plus, or any of its subsidiaries. Any rebroadcast, reproduction, or any or other use of this podcast and its affiliate sites without consent of Super Duper Podcast Network and its host is prohibited. Prohibited. I am Kyle Johnson, and this is Andrew Scott. Say goodbye now. No, Andrew, he's not uh, available. Um, not that he probably couldn't be, but I'm just going through these. So, bye now.